Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. We need a new war to harken back to. World War II, <laughs> sorry to say, is too long ago. And even the Mr. Spain. Spanish-American War. Well, no, Mr. Spain even did the Algerian War, so it's moving, it's crawling <laughs> over his right. timeline. But it's like, at least it wasn't, ah, he jumped out of a plane in the Whig War. And it's, <laughs> And even Fargo references, they're all referencing wars. It's like, no, World War II is gone. Everyone's gone. Let's move on. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, that was Peter Freeman of DC Outlook. And like me, he is beginning to think World War II has jumped the shark. <laughs> And I agree. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries to keep you up with the ever-changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz is directing and producing in Katz Podcast Headquarters. That's me, and I can promise you there's no Travis or Taylor mentions here in my portion of the podcast today. It's just you guys. Well, at the end of this session, I would like to see you embrace your wife. <laughs> Tears in your eyes. She's too busy shopping in Nordstrom, Arch. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, our guests today include the voice of the West Coast from Examiner.com and People Magazine and Emerson College, he's Mr. Everything, Mr. Entertainment, our dear friend Oliver Jones. Oliver, Oliver how are you? Wonderful to be with you again, Arch. Uh, the, the the briskest, fastest pop culture uh, podcast <laughs> on the internet, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Good to see you guys. Well, I love hearing your West Coast LA take on things. So. Uh, and you didn't uh, wash away in the last couple of weeks? No, I'm relatively dry, but I did cry <laughs> at a few Super Bowl commercials, so, uh, you know. Okay. Maybe I should listen to me this week. <laughs> we'll get to that. And meanwhile, we have the sage of Bethesda, Maryland, the network sports producer and full-time movie maven, our dear friend, Cinema, Lou Charlotte. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Brother Malou, always love it when you're with us. So uh, so let's get started. And uh, let's start with you, Oliver. What are you watching and what do you like? Well, uh, I found something on TV that hit kind of a sweet spot for me, which is really? um, Monsieur Spade uh, on <laughs> AMC. Have you guys watched this? I know. It's sort of, uh, it's sort of, uh, it splits the difference between a film noir and PBS. It's like PBS <laughs> noir. Uh, it, uh, it tells the story of Sam Spade uh, after uh, mm -hmm. uh, the events of Maltese Falcon when he's yeah. in uh, living in the south of France. It's Why pretty couldn't good. he have moved to Santa Cruz or Monterey? <laughs> It wouldn't be as picturesque, and uh, it was uh, although it, it would be close. Uh, it's uh, it's really uh, it's really uh, a lot of fun. I mean, very snappy, and um, and uh, I love the visuals. Well, you you know, like you, I love film noir, and I did. I watched the first one, and he said he's got the dialogue down. Yeah, uh, it's a little hard for me to go with the flow of Sam Spade uh, in France 
without uh, 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 Gutman <laughs> trying to tail him and Joel Cairo getting around so he can slap him. And <laughs> I don't know. To me, it's like the ultimate fan fiction for film noir, uh, you know, imagining what he would be doing eight years later in a foreign country, not being able to speak the language. Uh, I thought it was uh, very, and well, it hit my sweet spot. Uh, has that completed now? Because I, it seems like I've only seen the first two episodes. I don't. I think it's so. It's short. I think it's six. Yeah, it looks so. like it has finished. Yeah, it's all aired. Okay, well, we like that. So you recommend it? Yeah, and I, Clive Owen does a pretty good Bogart. He he does a better Bogart impersonation than he does an American accent. <laughs> So, well, let's go over to Cinema Lou. Arch, Our things you, uh, at the AMC. <laughs> oh, I got an AMC story to tell you in a few oh, minutes. Oh, I bet you do. Are they still running that horrible Nicole Kidman thing? Oh, my God. Boo every time. You know, just shut up. Exactly. I'm there already. Nicole? Don't tell me to come. I'm already there. <laughs> but but uh, I, I, there are three documentaries that I've seen uh -huh. oh. since we last spoke that I really, yeah. really enjoyed. One is called American Nightmare on Netflix. I don't know if you saw this one. No. It's it's about it's a three part series about a um, a kidnapping that took place um, the twenty years ago, and it called into question whether it was real or not. And these people were about to be charged with. Um, yeah. And, and it turns out that you, you got to. I don't want to give too much away, but it's fabulous and. So many twists and turns, and it's a true story. I've never heard of a case where the kidnappers drop their victim at the front door of their house. We thought she's this innocent victim. She looks more like a suspect. Police now wondering, is Huskins a real life gone girl? Does it star uh, actors or is no, it No, 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 it's, 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 it's a documentary. Okay, And it's good. so well, it's so very well done. American the, Nightmare. Uh, American Nightmare. The yeah. other one you probably have seen, if you haven't, you should, mm -hmm. The Greatest Night in Pop, which yeah. is oh, yeah. which is yeah. the documentary of We Are the World. And it was mm. terrific. The greatest artists of a generation came together to save some lives. But we only had one night to get this right. Bob Dylan, Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon, Cindy Lauper, Pat Midler, Billy Joel, Steve Perry, Willie Nelson, I think we have Tina, Sheila E, Diana Ross. Everybody was there. Some of the lines in there, I'm gonna give you one line that you probably already, uh, it's not gonna give anything away. But you have all these stars, the biggest stars in the world yeah. in pop music at the time. And uh, Paul Simon looks around and says, you know, if a plane hits this building, John Denver's back on top again. <laughs> it was a just a, just a great uh, a great thing. And the third one is one that's streaming on PBS. You can see it on your local PBS station. It's a sports documentary called The Dream Whisperer. My name is Dick Barnett, and I used to have a hell of a jump shot. Tennessee State basketball team did amazing things. The first three-peating wasn't the three-peat by uh, black colleges. It was period. They changed the game. And when I was a kid, I watched Dick Barnett play for the Knicks. And he came yeah. from an NAIA black school that got no respect. Were ne you know, they were a great team that never got invited to anything. And they got invited to this postseason basketball tournament. And for three years in a row, they won it. And mm. Dick Barnett's quest in life is to get that team into the basketball hall of fame. Oh. And, you know, he's in his eighties now. 
And it's a fabulous story about this overlooked team. It's on, on PBS. You can, I think it's on the PBS app for Black History Month if you can't find it on your local PBS station. But it's really terrific and, and well worth the watch. Those are fantastic recommendations, Lou. Thank you so much. I'm going to be looking for each of those. Yeah, they're terrific. And, and American I, I, Nightmare I, I'm, and I'm, The I'm Greatest Night on Pop. Are they both on Netflix? Um, the, uh, the Greatest Night on Pop is on Netflix. Okay. And uh, cool. The Dream Whisperer is on PBS. Great. I always uh, try to live my life as if I'm uh, Dan Aykroyd uh, showing up for that uh, recording, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the luckiest guy in the room. Everyone turns their head. And I love the way that he dressed. So, you yeah. know, his tie. Uh, it's it's I always great. Dan Aykroyd at that. There are some stars in there that, you know, you've forgotten about Kim Carnes. I mean, we, yeah. at the mm. time they were hot, but you look at them now and like, who is right. that and why are they there? Well, Back in L.A., I'm not getting any any juice uh, from the local movie scene. What are they saying about movies in L.A.? Well, this is this is our sallow period, uh, and uh, and of course, you know, we're used to this in February and uh, and uh, January, right? We, I mean, normally I, all we get is a um, one Liam Neeson movie where he kills a lot of guy while looking for yes, his daughter, right? You know. <laughs> What, Lou, have you seen anything good at the movie theaters? I have not. Um, you know, I, I I saw Origin. I thought Origin was terrific. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, I saw The Promised Land with oh, yeah. Mads Mikkelsen. And mm. Matt, he always plays the bad guy. In this one, he did. Yeah. It's a foreign film. I think it's Danish. Mm -hmm. uh, or, and and I thought it was a... I really liked it. Very slow moving uh, but I, I thought it was really good. Well, I got to tell you this story of uh, uh, my AMC story. Let's see if this. I went to see the movie, and I don't know if you guys have seen it, called Miller's Girl. It's with Jenna Ortega, Martin Freeman. It did not get good reviews, but it was a Tuesday or Thursday afternoon, yeah. two o'clock showing, the last showing of this movie before it disappears into the hinterlands. And I said, all right, what the hell? I'll go see it. I'm sitting in the theater. It's two o'clock showing. It's 2.10. Nothing's happening. So I said to the manager, excuse me, but this movie's supposed to start at 2 o'clock. Can you tell me what's going on? Oh, sorry. We'll go ahead and start it now. So up comes 20 minutes of previews. It's now oh, 2.30. No. The movie's about to start, and up pops Mean Girls. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that's it. This is an omen. I'm leaving. And so I never did get to see it. I was curious. Oh, my God. If you thought it was good or not. That's you know, there was a recent uh, editorial in the Washington Post about all the trailers, the theater trailers, and how they're just, they're driving people nuts. And uh, and you sit there through 30 minutes of them, and, uh, uh, and they got to do something about that. Oh, yeah. I would, you know. I went to, I was in Paris and my wife and I decided Ooh, foolishly we're going to go will. see a movie. So we went <laughs> and it listed two times, like 2.20 and 2.45. Yeah. And oh. I said, well, let's, let's do the 2.20 because this way we'll get out earlier. Uh -huh. Well, because of the language difference, the 2.20 meant that's the time the trailers start. The, two, <laughs> the 2.45 is when the movie started. I, I, heard, I had heard that Chuck Schumer, I think, wanted to put some legislation out that would require theaters to tell you what time, what the actual time the movie starts. Uh, not a bad well, idea. 
Well, first of all, I just want to say it only adds to your legend, uh, Lou, that you went to Paris and the first thing you did was go to the movement. And it was uh, our honeymoon, by the way. Just, just I mean, you know, forget the Mona Lisa, forget the, you know. We saw those too. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's gotten to the point for me, I, I can stand the trailers. It's the commercials that I can't handle, uh, you know, because when you're at home, right, you can mute them. But when you're in the in your in the TV in the in the movie theater, you're stuck watching them, and um and I'm paying this money. I don't want to see commercials. You know, I it, I have we have um the Alamo Draft House here, and we have like fancy mm. movie theaters mm. here that don't do that and show Rick really yeah. interesting things yeah. before the movies. And it's gotten to the point that, you know, I I hate to say this to you, Lou. I won't go to a chain theater now. You know, um I'll just I'll just skip them. I'll I'll wait for the movie to come to one of the other smaller theater chains uh, because I kind of feel like they're um, I kind of feel abused, frankly, you know, I, I feel yeah. like they're trying to squeeze something out of me that they're I'm not taking advantage of you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I just don't feel, I don't feel good. You know, it doesn't feel yeah. like going to the movies. Um, I, I don't know if Alamo still does this, but they used to like uh, curate the stuff they showed before a film. So like, oh. They would Absolutely. show trailers uh, that the actors had been in, you know, classic films and that if, sort of thing. If you go to see the zone of interest, they're, they're showing like Jonathan Glazer's commercials and music videos um, uh -huh. before. And, you know, he he had made some really uh, 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 intense uh, music uh -huh. videos uh -huh. for the band um, uh, Radiohead. And, uh, you know, it's really it's, it's educational and fascinating and a great way to start your movie watching night. And it's worth the couple of extra bucks that it takes to go to an Alamo draft house. So I have to, I have to ask you, last time we talked, Oliver, you really talked up a zone of interest. I was going yeah. to New York to see some plays and you said, you're going to New York. You got to see zone of interest. Yeah, I did. I caught a 10 AM showing of zone of interest. Fabulous movie. It's still out oh, there for folks who yeah, haven't seen it. Yeah. But here's my, here's my question to you. You, you, you talked, you talked about the, the audio of it. Yeah. And I noticed one of the things I noticed was, some of the background video was fabulous. You saw yes. trains going by. Yeah. You saw smokestack. It was really fabulous. Mm -hmm. Great movie. But here's yeah. my question. Here's my question to you. A couple of things I didn't quite understand. Maybe you can explain it to me. In Zone of Interest, right towards the end of the movie, I'm not giving anything away. They they turn, they kind of flip it to a, a modern today scene. And mm -hmm. I, it's, I didn't understand where that came from or why it was there. Did, did, did that make any sense to you? Well, I, I think I, I compared it to the beginning of the film where there was just a black uh, screen and you hear mm -hmm. and you hear sound that this was a meditation, right? As uh, mm -hmm. as well as a movie. And I think when when you saw those women at the end who were um, like dusting and cleaning the exhibits of, um, of Auschwitz, you know, you felt a meditation you know, on, on, on loss. And, and it felt it, to me, it matched the meditative attitude of this, of this um, piece. And it just, it gave you room to think, you know, and to sit with it, you know, yeah. in the way that, that, that we sit with it every day. And it, and it didn't allow you to sort of conclude your feelings about it, just, but just to live with it. A another part of that movie, Lou, that some people don't quite get is the part that's in negative, uh, where you see um, yes. a young girl uh, um, uh -huh. uh, planting uh, uh, um, apples uh, in yeah. um, uh, at the work sites of the of the men, 
uh, that was that's shown in negative, right, where the rest of the film uh, and um, and that part of the film was inspired by a woman that the director met uh, when she was 90, right before her death, who who did that, who was a member mm. of the Polish resistance. And and the and when the dress that the actress wore and the bike that she that she rode was that woman's dress, mm. was that woman's bicycle. Uh, and um, and, you know, uh, it took me, I think, the second time of watching it to kind of figure out that it how it fit in. Again, this movie is a is a movie that you that you think about and feel more than you completely understand. Yeah, the other I thing sort of I felt like the ending uh, and, and going to the exhibits was a way to sort of take you out of it because it's so intense. Mm -hmm. And that's the one feedback I hear from everybody about the zone of interest. Man, that's intense. It is unnerving. Yeah. The thing I didn't get, and, and when I see a documentary, I, I like to see the postscript. What happened to these people? Because they're real people. And yeah. um, I wanted to know what happened to that commandant at Auschwitz. I looked I, it up on, uh, on yeah, Wikipedia. I did too. I looked it up. Yeah. And it's a really interesting story. And I thought it might have been a nice thing to put at the end. Here's what happened. It just um, it, it wasn't that kind of a movie. It didn't want to tie everything up in a bow for you, you know. Um, and uh, I, I just, I, I just that, that would have been a way of letting you out easy. But also, right? I think it kind of also knew that it would be sending us all to the computer to look yeah. that up ourselves. Uh -huh. I was going to say the other thing. So that that's nominated for best um, uh, best far uh, whatever they call it now. Both picture and foreign. Film, foreign yeah, film. it's best picture yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, 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 the other thing I wanted to mention was, I don't know if you saw another movie nominated, The Teacher's Lounge. I saw that the other day. No, I did not. I see haven't it. seen it. I've been dying to see it. I, mm -hmm. I thought it was a gripping uh, drama as it went on with one of the worst endings I've ever seen. Oh, interesting. And, and I'm okay. curious when you guys see it, what you think. All right. I'll, I'll try to go this weekend, Lou, and I'll let you know if I agree. You okay. know that was my take on Killers of the Flower Moon. I was I was pretty much there the whole time, and then they go to this uh, uh, ending. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I want to give it away or not, but uh, out of the story, and and I just I didn't buy it. Well, I, I I know what you're saying, Arch. I mean, uh, in some respects, I I didn't mind it because. Uh, you know, it was Uncle Mart Marty uh, up there on on that stage. It was Martin Scorsese holding dear, my dear hand. Your friend Marty. Yeah, and it's sort of like any moment, any extra moment I can spend uh -huh. with him. You know, who is a um living saint of cinema. You know, yeah. I, I didn't really, I didn't really like that movie. In some respects, I think it was probably yeah. my least favorite of the ten nominate nominated films. I, nothing will dim uh the the incredible love that i have for him uh oh, so so for me just to have a few moments with him talking to me and hanging out with me you know i'll i'll but take less three and a half hours yeah yeah it's true <laughs> so hey i want to ask you i read uh the oscars are uh considering uh giving an award for casting <laughs> the they're couple. not considering it they're they're doing it uh so oh, it will God. be um, uh, not not God. this year, but next year uh, oh. in, in 2026. What are they drinking? Uh, what do you what hate, Cassidy? Are they I mean, drunk or high? <laughs> uh, is your problem that the show is already too long? Yes. Well, uh, how, how do you how do you determine best casting? I mean, 
best casting. I, it's it's no different than how you determine best costumes, right? They come up, you know, the costume director comes up with a sketch. It shows the director, you know, so it's based on their intuition. The director, you know, uses their intuition to go for it. You know, I mean, um, it makes sense. It's just another craft. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna celebrate craft, it is a craft. I mean, I think more people probably felt a push towards honoring stuntmen and I mean stunt people uh-huh. yeah. uh, and stunt performers uh, than than honoring uh, cast that 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 um, you know that probably gets enough attention already. But you know. I mean, again, I always say the same thing to you, Arch. You know, what else are you doing that night? Who would be nominated? The casting director? Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, so this year man. it would obviously be another award oh, for Oppenheimer. Yeah. So, so in other words, uh, the Oscars are not inside enough. We need, <laughs> we need to get the casting director. When are they going to have best agent? yeah i mean we already have um best ensemble at the sag uh i mean the screen actors guild awards well that's true it's it's somewhat similar to that although that's their that's their equivalent to the best picture award uh i i somewhat agree with you you know you recall a few years ago they tried to take all of those like non i was i was so in favor of that i just that just I loved it, loved it. <laughs> and then they changed their mind. You know, I think they they throw stuff out and then, it, you know, it doesn't stick. And so then they say, well, never mind. So I, <laughs> but evidently it's, it's going over well in Los Angeles. <laughs> well, I'm just waiting for them to do a uh, best hack reporter. Uh, uh, and... <laughs> best washed up podcaster yeah there you I go i have a shot at that hey i noticed that the super bowl got uh the all-time biggest uh, rating in its history and uh beyond the super bowl and uh, and everything that was uh to it uh it, does that bode well for the oscars well, the Grammys had kind of uh, a moment, right? You mm-hmm. know, the, uh, mm-hmm. there there was a lot of um, so so. I, I think there is a little bit more of momentum building after kind of a somewhat of a disastrous Emmys. Uh, yeah. You know, so so I sort of feel like we had this um, movie moment last year with Oppenheimer and Barbie, and now we're going back to our old fashioned shared TV moments, right? You know, where we all gather around the hearth, which is now our TV screens and share a national moment. And, you know, um, uh, Taylor and, and Travis and Overtime, I mean, it was all yeah. kind of a perfect storm yeah. uh, uh, to capture the imagination of, uh, of, you know, the American public. But it almost feels like the Super Bowl is all we have in this country anymore. It's like, the, yeah. it's like our only event. It's taken over every other thing. Uh, I sort of feel like, um, you know, it's bigger than the Oscars. It's bigger than, any, than anything we have there's nothing there's nothing that touches the super bowl and that was not what it used to be like uh, right lou oh, I, I agree with you but there's a there's that x factor now you had all these people who normally wouldn't watch or care watching yeah. because because of taylor swift now mm-hmm. you want it you want to make the grammys the oscars the, you want to make them uh record numbers have taylor swift host it that yeah. would do it yeah i mean l- l- let's be honest uh, that 
that was, I mean, I, I predicted it would be the, the most watched Super Bowl ever because the playoff games had reached those type of numbers when when she was there. You know, I, I, if it were, you know, Paramount or, or CBS had like, you could watch it on six or seven different platforms. Yeah. Nickelodeon version. They should have had one where just a camera was on Taylor Swift the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> and that would have that would have blown out all the numbers. Well, and, and you know, I have to say, Lou, um, she's really good at this. You know, I mean, she's yeah. good at everything she does, you know, but she's really good at playing this role, you know, Absolutely. up there. You know, uh, and she was really, and she did it at the at the Emmys too, where she danced and and sang and and was and was the biggest fan of of this, and and the and everyone watched the Emmys too and saw her do that. You know, she is she is um she is very good at this, and and uh, and we should you know we should celebrate that. I know a lot of people seem to complain about it, um, but I think it's I, I think it's terrific, and and um, I frankly you know um. I, I have no interest in either of those teams. So like a lot of Americans, that was main the, the main reason why I was tuning in. I well, agree. Uh, any thoughts on the Super Bowl commercials? Because I'll I'll open with this thought. I think years have passed since the Super Bowl commercials were uh, the creative thing that you watch the show for. I think that's total baloney now, you know, saying, oh, I watch for the commercials. I, you know, they stink. They're all selling stuff. I, there's nothing that I loved uh, about Super Bowl commercials this year. Well, Unless you know, they, they've now. lost their mystique and the respect that they're all yeah. online instantly, right? So, they, so it's yeah. not a big reveal yeah. anymore. But then also, uh, they're so celebrity dependent. All of yeah. them are celebrities. Yeah. You know, it wasn't really, there was very few of them that was about the idea that someone from an ad agency, that a creative person thought of. So it was all about Jennifer Aniston or Arnold Schwarzenegger or Ben Affleck, uh, who yeah, kind of ended yeah. up winning uh, the evening uh, along with Matt Damon. Uh, yeah, I tend to I, I tend to agree with you, but it was, you know, I still yeah, laugh to be. It was a good way to launch a block. But was there any I didn't know. Were there movies uh, promoted? Wicked. Yeah, Wicked. Wicked. That was a long, long one, too. Uh, but yeah. I disagree. I disagree with you guys. I thought that this year's commercials were better than they had been in the last few years. Um, what do you like? I thought there was some very creative ones. I thought the Schwarzenegger, uh, Danny DeVito one was the one that kind of um, won, won the evening, but there were some, there were some interesting ones and some fun ones and, you know, some head turners. I thought. My favorite were the two, um, Abuelitas fighting over the Doritos. Uh, and, you know, again, that was a, that was a commercial that that didn't have celebrities in it. So I was looking for the ones that that was based on ideas and execution more than the more than the celebrities. But I will say, um, I was one of the first people to do to write a national uh, a profile of Ben Affleck when uh, when he first came to Hollywood when he was holed up in a hotel room with Matt Damon writing the script of. Um, Goodwill Hunting, yeah, and that yeah, guy, yeah. that goofball that they showed in that commercial, is much closer to the guy that I remembered interviewing all those years ago than wow. how he's been presented since. My partner. Sometimes it's really hard to be your friend. How do you like them donuts? I'm so sorry. You had to see it, but I forgive you. You remember when I told you I'd do anything for you? This is anything. Chill. They're naming a drink after us. It was kind of neat to see uh, someone as as you remembered him back before uh, you know the world wanted a piece of him. And there's a reason the world wants a piece of him, too. He's done a lot of really fine uh, work and fine movies.
Uh, it, did anybody watch anybody watching Feud on Hulu? Capote versus the Swans. Yeah, I watched the first episode, Arch, and um, what did you think of it? Uh, I'm like you. I watched the first episode, and I thought it's a bunch of celebrities playing dress up, and I just don't care. I just don't. And in fact, the opening scene where um, Happy Rockefeller goes over to have an afternoon mm-hmm. assignation with uh, William Paley. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they lost me. They lost me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, played by the late Treat Williams. Um, but I, uh, um, you know, I, I feel like I've grown up with so many Truman Capotes, right? This is like my yeah. fifth six. You know, uh, I, I remember the original one on the talk shows when I was a little kid. And then uh-huh. in the 20s, I remember... Um, Robert Morris, uh, right, with his one-man show on Broadway yeah, yeah. Uh, where he won all of those Tony Awards and they played it on PBS. And then, of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman and and Toby Jones did him in a Toby movie. Toby Jones was Yeah, really I, I've seen – and, uh, and um, at first I was not really willing to give in to uh, Tom Hollander's version, but eventually he came to sort of win me over and – but the problem with the with the show arch is that not enough attention is paid to the women. They're sort of interchangeable. The yeah, the personalities yeah, they they yeah. kind of just use the the famous names, you know, to kind of um, uh, uh, it, 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 so they didn't have to write the characters. It's, you know? uh, uh, I didn't uh, I didn't see it. I won't see it. And I don't care. <laughs> now there. There's you sounded just like Truman Capote when you said uh, you know, that. You know, I've got, I have to bring this up because you guys yeah. know a lot more film than I do. I saw, it's it's only February, mid-February. Yeah. And I already have my pick for worst movie of the year. <laughs> I'm trying to hear. Uh, oh, I, I, I'm surprised already. you haven't jumped in. Yeah. Argyle. Argyle. Oh, really? Argyle. On the, our last podcast, Peter Freeman had seen Argyle yeah. and said, it's not that bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, it is so awful. And my question, here's my question to you guys. It has a great cast. Uh-huh. It cost Apple $200 million. They won't oh, be, man. People will expect to hear about those yeah. Apple layoffs any yeah. day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, who who okayed this thing? Who which which agent looked at this and said, "What a great idea"? Yeah. No, let's <laughs> nominate him for best agent at the oh Oscar. It was awful. It was awful. You know, Argyle. On, on that same term, on that same line, George Michael used to say to some reporters who I won't uh, mention. Yeah. And anchors who were subpar, he'd say, I got to get that person's agent because look, imagine what they could do for me. If they could. <laughs> but, but, you know, I just, I, I, just, I saw it and I said, this is so awful. And it's two hours and 20 minutes. Well, oh, at least they showed it to you. Oh, it was. <laughs> at least you didn't have to go ask them to start the movie. Oh, that's true. <laughs> did you guys see it? And what did you, what no, of course I, not. I, you know, I wasn't paid to see it, and that's what it would take to get me in the movie theater okay. for that one. You know, this this is a movie that takes place, I, I, I learned from my students, I didn't know this myself, in the Kingsman universe. Yes. Uh, yeah. and, uh, with, and, and the fact that such a thing exists, it, it speaks to the end times for me. Exactly. Uh, that there was something called the Kingsman universe, you know, just like feels like I was not made for these times. You know, just put me back to some other era, please. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, speaking of put me back to some error, please, it's time to check in with Lou Katz at Hound Radio. Hey, Arch, thanks. If you're new to Hound Radio, here's a little sample of what we are all about. What is Hound Radio? It's the best breeds of music. Like classic rock. I'm Bob Edwards. Today is Monday, September 13th, and this is NPR's Morning Edition. I'm very sad today to uh, read the news and the tributes to Bob Edwards of NPR Radio. And I don't know about you, Lou, but I uh, ran across him and knew him uh, occasionally, would see him around uh, D.C., and he uh, made uh, Morning Edition something very special and i'm very sad that he uh passed away well uh, you know i was thinking about this today arch and i feel like when when he was a push, pushed off that show that was the last time we sort of began our days with kind of a relaxing exhale you know where where we began it kind of you know in a in a sort of slow and kind of accepting way now our mornings just slap us in the face the more you know the, right. the second we get up you know with news with texts you know when i think back to bob edwards in the morning i think back to embracing the day and and sort of starting a day with a thought with an idea with something other than just a big mess of breaking news in your face which is what they wanted to replace him with uh so you know uh his passing, I guess it's a moment for me to kind of think, how can I do that for myself, right? Like to take those yeah. moments to kind of breathe in the morning and sort of accept the day rather than let it uh, just roll me over. So I, I, I have, a, I have a, a Bob Edwards story. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you remember, years ago, he did a thing called uh, Fridays with Red, Red Barber. Yes, yeah, Red Barber. And Red Barber was this nasty old guy who, <laughs> and, and he, 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 he kind of brought him down and, had him tell his stories. And it was a great little segment with this guy, this baseball sage. Um, and he wrote a book about it called yeah. uh, uh, Fridays with, with, with Red. And I, I, I bought the book. I love the book. And I sent it to Bob. And I told him uh, how much I enjoyed it. And he sent me a nice note back and signed the book for me. I, I know, I've seen him at, at events, but I never spoke with him personally. But, but that book really uh, had a big impact on me. I love that book. He let uh, Red Barber talk yeah you know he gave him space uh barber had kind of a slow uh southern drawl mm -hmm. and and uh you know broadcasters today are uh interested in jumping right in and oh my god let's go and go it was mm -hmm. as if uh bob edwards was doing uh cbs sunday morning which is the only uh version of that kind of programming left and ironically he started his uh, broadcasts in 1979 with Charles Osgood and ended uh, in 2005 with Charles Osgood, who yeah. also recently passed away and is another example of the kind of broadcaster uh, we don't have. It's, um, I hate that Bob Edwards is remembered for being pushed out of NPR by uh idiotic consultants who simply proved that NPR is no better 
than any of the other uh, conglomerate-owned radio or television stations that don't care about the listeners. And I'm going to take rah, a wild rah. guess, Arch, and say that every single person sitting in this uh, podcast right now mm. has been pushed around by these jerky <laughs> consultants at some exactly. point in their life. So we all feel that very profoundly, and uh, and um, you know we we uh, salute uh, Bob and we salute uh, everyone else who has been uh, messed with by McKinsey and Associates and all the other uh -huh. uh -huh. who have taken uh, the creativity, singularity, and uniqueness out of media and made it into something processed. And that's why we have podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Anyway, any any final thoughts on uh, Bob Edwards? Just just grateful that we had him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm interested in the movie The Taste of Things. Have you heard about this? Going to I've see it today. It. Uh, yes, it's. Uh, I I heard it was going to open uh, Valentine's Day, but it's open a couple of days early, and yeah. uh, I'm looking for it. It's it's, it's terrific. Uh, have you already seen it? Yeah, no, I saw it last year. It's really good. You'll you'll you're 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 in for a uh, feast today, uh, Lou, uh, for your uh, eyes and your and your stomach. Uh, it's um, uh, it's a and it's it's so beautifully shot. Um, a little bit like Babette's feast. It's just you know it it it's it's more intimate than that even, and um mm -hmm. and it's just um it's just a very lovely you know patient movie. And you know you will be inspired uh, in in many different ways, and not just in gastronomical manner. Well, I th that's my recommendation for the weekend, and sounds like it's yours too, Lou. Yeah, I recommend that one, and I think I mentioned this before, but it also oh. opened up in in DC this time, which is um, uh, Perfect Days uh, by from Vim Vendors, a Japanese movie. Mm. So uh, I, I implore the audience to look uh, to to seek that one out. I want to see that it hasn't opened yet, but you know, yeah, this, weekend, this weekend, two movies open this weekend, Madam Webb and Bob Marley. I'm tired of seeing the Bob Marley preview, oh, mm -hmm. but I'm looking forward to seeing new movies. I checked them out. The, the ratings are horrible on both of those. So the I'll see them ratings. anyway, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm watching, I'm catching up on true detective. I really, it's pretty crazy. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of crazy, we're running low on time. Oliver Jones, examiner.com. Thanks so much for being here. Cinema Lou, always a pleasure. Uh, the great Lou Katz in Katz Podcast System. I'm Arch Campbell, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. This is the Katz Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast. <laughs>